This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, good evening, uh, Christian Family Church. Good to be with you tonight. I really like our theme for this month. Won't you turn to your neighbor and say to them, would you pass the salt, please? Now say, hey, hey, I am the salt. Anyhow, <laughs> nice little opener there. It's good to be with you, and uh, you know, I'm so grateful to Apostle Theo and uh, Dr. Bev for the opportunity to share the word with you, to break the bread of life uh, with you, and um, it really is an honor, and I believe that the Lord is going gonna, is gonna to really speak to your heart tonight, not because tonight is any different to any other Sunday night, but because that's what God does when you hear the word, is that He speaks to your heart. He reminds you about things. He brings things to your attention. He sets you free. He, um, he just moves in a special way when His word is spoken, specifically since our topic has a lot to do with the word of God tonight. But before I continue, let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, we can come together once again as the body of Christ, your family, Father, to celebrate you, to worship you, to be in your presence, to experience you, Father. I thank you tonight that as we discuss the importance of your word and, and that the church is built on your word, and that includes every one of us, Father, thank you for sharing some new insights with us in our hearts. Thank you, Spirit of God, for taking every one of these words and planting them deep in the hearts of every person, and that even years from now, fruit will be produced as a result of the word sown into our hearts tonight, because your word is life. I give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, uh, tonight I continue with a series that we began a few weeks ago called My Church. And uh, how many of you can remember we started a, a series talking about my church, and Pastor Jenny, she spoke about worship and, and the role that we play as a church in worship, but also personally, and there were some amazing things that were shared in that message about how God, even though uh, Lucifer was designed to be the angel of worship, all of the attributes that God had placed in this angel of worship, we have those. And even when uh, he was cast out of heaven, every gemstone that God had adorned him with, he kept those. He's like, you ain't going with ease. And uh, he kept those for us when we would return to be the bride of Christ so that God uh, uh, could return those to us and adorn us with those jewels. And then Pastor Andre spoke about us being planted in the tree of life, the church planted in the tree of life. And we heard that, you know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, really, it, it didn't help at all because what man began to do is they tried to earn their right standing with God. The truth is that Jesus is the tree of life, and we are in him, and that is how we, in him we live and move and exist. There's no need for us to earn any right standing with God. And so this series of my church is really there to delve into some biblical distinctives that God finds or feels that is so important to him, and that what really sets the church apart and when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about CFC. I'm talking about you, an active member in the body of Christ. We are all part of the church. So whatever we speak tonight, if the church is built on that, 
then you are built on that. And we consider the landmark value here at Christian Family Church to be built on the Word of God. We believe the Bible here from cover to cover. It is God's Word, and this house is built on it. You know, the Word of God is like a deep ocean. If you think about the ocean, I mean, it's vast, it's massive. It covers a whole uh, expanse of this uh, planet. And not only that, but it's very deep. And to me, the Word of God is like that. It's vast. I mean, it's, it's never-ending, really. And it's so deep. And there's so much treasure inside the Word of God. And we will always be discovering new things about His Word, just like we will be doing about our oceans. I think it's a good parallel to draw between the two. In fact, I can tell you that according to National Geographic, and I think they're spot on just regarding the Word of God, but they say that more than 80% of the ocean has never been mapped or explored or even seen by humans. In fact, they say that a far greater percentage of the moon's surface and the surface of Mars has been explored compared to the ocean floor here on our very own planet. And so to me, that is just, it just reminds me that, you know, I'm never going to know it all. And uh, having grown up here in CFC, if I have to use my own life as an example, having grown up here, from, I mean, I was a chokerki, and uh, I was in the services, I actually didn't really like children's world. I mean, it's awesome now, guys. But back then, I, I, I wanted to be in the service. And I've, I've shared with you before how much I admired Apostle Theo, that even if my pants would just be like his, I'd be happy. But uh, I really thought that when I had to go on to Bible college, I didn't think that there was much that I could actually learn compared to what I believed I already knew. I mean, I knew about faith and, and hearing God's voice. I knew about the rapture. I knew about prayer. I knew about the spiritual world and how that, uh, you know, the spiritual realm was, was different to our natural realm and how the two sort of worked together. I knew about heaven. I knew about hell. I'd learned about types and shadows. I understood that much of the Old Testament was just a type and a shadow of what was to come in the New Testament and what we continue to experience today. I knew about sowing and reaping and, and honoring your parents and the benefits of that. I knew about the story of Jericho and, and how God uh, uh, you know, defeated uh, the people of Jericho through the way that they just were obedient to the Lord. I knew about these things. I knew about the power of your words and, and how the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt and, and how that was the same as, as us being born again and coming out of the world. And, and so I really thought, look, I mean, I've, I've basically arrived. You know, what more can you teach me? Anyhow, what I discovered was that even what I did know was marginal. I realized that knowing something was not the same as hearing it or having it being put to the test. I mean, you know, the thing about the Word of God is I'm sure every one of you can relate to the fact that we know the answer. If we're facing a challenge, we know what the answer is. We know that we're going to come through clean on the other side. We know that. But, but when someone else tells you that, when someone declares to you from the Word of God that you're going to be okay, it just sort of ignites something different in our hearts, even though we know that. But to keep hearing it, and that's why God said that faith comes by hearing. He knows that that's what we need. That's what we need to survive on. It became clear to me that you know, my point of view and, and the worldview that I had would influence the way that the Word would impact me. 
10 years ago, a particular scripture would have meant something to me. And, and, you know, so many years later, I would read the same scripture and God would tell me something completely different through that same word. And it would be relevant to where I was at at that time. How many of you have experienced that before? Do you know why that happens? Because God's word is filled with life. It's a life-giving word. You know, you may read a novel. I love reading novels. But when I read a novel, even when I reread it, it doesn't mean anything different to me. But when I reread the word, wow, man, it could mean something completely different to me. And it just once again cements the fact that God's word is alive. The word of God, we need to understand, is more than what we hear here on a Sunday. If you're waiting or expecting to receive everything that you need from God just by coming to church on a Sunday, I want you to know His Word is bigger than just being here on a Sunday. In fact, we don't have enough Sundays to get through all of His Word. We have so many tools available to help us to discover the depths of God's Word and and the breadth of His Word more than what we would receive just once a week. We have Bible college and, and we have groups and within groups you'll also You'll experience the word differently. Some people, their testimony and and how they might help you through a situation. You'll uh, see the word in a different light. We have foundational courses. We have Sunday services, of course, and this is a, a very valuable part, or it's one of the great values that we have here in knowing God at Christian Family Church. We have growth track, and we have other tools available for you to get to discover this treasure, the word of God. So let me read to you three passages of Scripture tonight that have a lot to say about the Word of God and its importance. So we'll start in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Think about that. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture, every part of your Bible, is God-breathed, the Word says. You know, it it reminds me of another time where I've read in the Word that that God breathed of His life into something, and only when that happened did this this thing come to life. I'm talking about the book of Genesis when, when God created mankind, when He created Adam. The Bible says that when he breathed of himself into this body, the man came alive. The word of God is the same. It's got God breathed inside of it. When we read the Bible, how often do we actually think about it like that? How often do we think, you know, what I'm reading here has life in it. It has God's life in it. Every one of God's words carry so much truth. That's one thing that lacks in the world through and through is truth. And yet the Bible, the Word of God, is filled with it from cover to cover. Now tonight we're not going to be doing an an exegesis on on this scripture that we've read in 2 Timothy or any other verse that we're going to look at. But what I want us to see is the kind of weight and the kind of authority that God's Word possesses. And the reason why I want you to see this is because I wanted to encourage you We're talking about God's church built on the Word of God, and that includes you, and it includes me. 
And I trust that you will be encouraged and that your heart will be reignited inside of you as you listen to the Scriptures. Listen to 2 Peter. This is the second portion that I want to share with you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. It says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Can you say that after me? Say completely reliable. The Word of God is completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. So God's saying it's in your best interest to pay attention to His completely reliable Word. And He says, as, He says, pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. His Word is a light shining in a dark place. And He says it's completely reliable. When I think about light and reliability in South Africa, I think that there is a source of light that is not very reliable. But God's word, he says, is completely reliable. And he says that you will do well to pay attention to it like a torch or like a light shining in a dark place. If you think about that, I mean, we're all, we all know the drill. Our torches are standing ready at home, and, and when the lights go, we reach for the torch. And the moment we switch that torch on, do you switch the torch on to see what's going on in the darkness? Or do you switch the torch on to focus on where it's giving light? You focus on where it's giving light. So what God is saying is, listen, don't worry about the stuff happening around you. Let my word be that torch in your dark house when once again load setting knocks on our door. And keep your eyes focused on what the Word is bringing to light. You will do well, God says, if you do that. And then, oh, excuse me, not and then. And then where am I? Here we are. Okay, sorry, I just needed the torch, the light to shine on my notes here. And then he says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, God says, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Isn't it interesting that God felt it important to put that in here? To say, listen, you need to understand that all of the prophetic words that you see in the Bible, were not, they're not man-made. These things were, were put in there by me. They're not, uh, the Scriptures didn't come about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. It's got nothing to do with man. They were merely the instruments that God used. So we thank God for the light of His Word in this dark world that we live in today. Thank God that Jeremiah didn't wake up one morning and decide, you know what, today I'm going to write Jeremiah chapter 3 or chapter 33. And Luke didn't come home after work one afternoon and decide, you know, he's going to write Luke chapter 2. That's not how it worked. God drove them to do this. He inspired them. It, it was the very life of God that caused them to pen his thoughts. And it goes on verse 21 to say, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. You know, I've heard people say that the Bible was only put together so that in the, you know, the ancient days, so that people could lord it over people, or that people could rule over people, and they used the Bible as a tactic in order to be able to do that. I've heard people say that. Some people think that that is really what the purpose of the Bible is. And God's saying, no, it's got nothing to do. It didn't even have its origin in human will. In other words, man didn't come up with the idea to put the Bible together, to put down 
the words that are in the Bible. It says, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit carried them along and brought the word and the revelation to them, then the Holy Spirit through His Word can carry us along in this life. How many of you would say amen to that? Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to uh, dividing the soul and the spirit. God is assuring us that His Word is alive and it's active and it's, and it's powerful and it's able to divide the soul from the Spirit. That's very important. And it's able to divide joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, at times, the line can be so fine between the reality of our soul and God's infinite, eternal Word. Our soul is the part of us that is really connected to what's happening in this physical world of ours. And our spirit is the part that that deals with the superior ways of an eternal God. God says that my word can divide those two. Let me explain it using 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, that would be the soul realm. But at the things that are not seen, that's talking about the spirit. You see, God's word divides those two. For the things which are seen are temporal. This soul realm is temporal is what God is saying. But the things which are not seen, talking about the spirit, are eternal. So what's God trying to tell us through this? He's saying don't allow your feelings and your emotions to dictate truth to you. Let the word of God dictate truth. Don't allow your passions to set the agenda. Let the principles and the precepts of God set the agenda in your life. It doesn't matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what what Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what your uncle or your aunt says or what their opinion is or even what your mom and dad say. What matters is the Word of God. And in this church, it's built on the Word of God, not on the opinions of men, not on uh, what's popular at the time. It's built on the Word of God. And I'm grateful for a pastor or a pastoral team, a couple, that made that decision that when they started this church, it would be founded on the Word of God, and that would never change. They are not willing to waver in any way, shape, or form, and I'm so grateful for that. And our lives should be built on the Word of God too, just like the church has been built on the Word of God. So what does the Word do? Why is the Word so important and and so uh, um, criticized in this world today? What does the Word do? Let's just talk about a couple of things, okay? Firstly, the Word generates life. The Word creates faith. The Word produces real change. Not temporal, not superficial. It produces real change. You are a a, a product of the change that the Word produces. Those of you watching from home and, and in the other venues, you are a product of the real change that the Word brings. It's our weapon against the devil. That's why he comes immediately to try and steal the word. He doesn't try to steal your courage. He doesn't try to steal your reputation. He comes, the Bible says, Jesus said immediately to steal the word. He wants the word to change. That's what he wants to do. He also wants to change the word. Think about about Eve back in the garden. And even today, he'd say, did God really say that? 
Did you really say that? Well, this is 2021. Come on, this is the modern era. I think we need to edit the word. I think that we need to upgrade the word. Let me tell you something, family. The word of God is not software. It can't be upgraded. It's totally complete. There's nothing more that we can ever do to change it. Amen? The devil hates anything that's built on the word. He hates a marriage that's built on the word. He hates a church that's built on the word. He hates a group, a life group that's built on the word. He hates a family that's built on the word. He hates a business that's built on the word. What else does the word do? The word causes miracles. The word heals hurts. It sets people free. It builds character. It transforms our thinking. It causes joy and hope. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It releases power. It cleanses our past. It transcends all seasons. No matter what season you're in in your life, no matter how high the season or how low, no matter how hot or how cold, the Word transcends all seasons. And we cannot live without the Word of God. Listen to the way D.L. Moody puts it. He says, the Bible wasn't just given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 18, which really is the the foundational scripture for this series talking about um, the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Listen to how personal this is to Jesus. He says, I will build my church. Extremely personal to him because he loves the church. He gave his life for the church. He's married to the church. And he's saying that the gates of Hades, the devil, he may try, but he is not going to overcome it. Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 11 further helps us to understand the power of God's word. It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect. So in other words, the word that you have is perfect. Refreshing the soul. We spoke about the word dividing the soul and the spirit. The word, one of the purposes of the word is to refresh your soul. Like this water will refresh my throat. (laughs) The statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. Let me tell you what the wisest decision you could ever make is. To surrender your life to Jesus. The Bible causes you to be that wise, not to invest your wealth in in a, a marvelous product today on the stock market. And we know some wise people do that. But to invest your entire eternity, that's wisdom, folks. And the Bible gives us, he makes us that wise that we know and are secure in our eternity. The precepts of the Lord are right, or we could say the principles of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. There it is again, talking about the light. Think about this. When you read the word, your eyes light up. What does that mean? It means that you are truly informed. You can know the difference between right and wrong as a result of the word. You might say, well, you know, I, I know what, they, what uh, they're talking to me about in the, in the halls of my school, and, and I know what's being said on social media, but that's not lining up with the word. Why? Because I know I read the word, and my eyes are enlightened. By spending time in the word and by, by turning to the word, your eyes are enlightened to what the truth is is 
It goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. It means that they are secure. You can anchor your life on God's decrees. And all of them, listen, all of them are righteous. What's that saying? It's saying the ones that we know, the ones that we don't know, the ones that we understand, and the ones that we don't quite understand the ones that are familiar to us, and the ones that sometimes are a little difficult to hear. All of them, the Word of God says, are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. In other words, the purest of gold. God's Word is more precious than that. They are sweeter than honey. The honey from the honeycomb. In other words, the purest of honey. His Word is sweeter than that. By them, By God's word, your servant is warned. In other words, God looks after you through them. And it says, in keeping them, there is great reward. God's saying, if if the word is your foundation, he's saying, this will be in your best interest. Our lives should be built on the word, just like God's church is built on the word. How many of you would say amen to that? The most important decision that you can make in this day and age, especially in this day and age, is to settle the issue of what will be your ultimate authority in your life. And you have to decide, folks, regardless of your culture or your tradition, regardless of the way that you feel or what the news is saying, you have to decide that the Bible is God's book and it is my final authority. There are storms on the horizon. I'm no prophet. I don't operate in the office of the prophet, but I do know that there are storms on the horizon in every one of our lives. And that word, those uh, storms will come to try and steal this word that you are saying is my final authority. Two weeks ago, I, um, I was sitting in the lounge and I was chatting to my children and I asked them this question. I said, what does it mean to have a solid foundation? What does that mean to you? And I began to explain a building And I said to them that, you know, that a building will only be as strong as what its foundation is. Then for some reason, I spent quite a bit of time on the walls, the details of the walls, and I was trying to be all clever and tell them about, you know, the walls, no matter how strong your walls are, etc. And while I was saying that, my daughter said to me, she said, the walls won't fall immediately, Dad. But when there's a shaking or a storm comes, then the walls are going to collapse. And you know where that little revelation took us? to Matthew chapter 7, exactly. And so we began to speak about that, about the wise and the foolish man, Jesus saying, who do they choose to build their lives on? The wise man builds his life on the word of God. In fact, Jesus said, he said that whoever hears his words and does them will be likened to the wise man with a secure foundation. When you've made that decision, that God's word is final authority in your life, then there are two things that we need to do. The first one is that we need to accept that God's word is first. It should be the first filter in our lives. We should always see it through the eyes of saying, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that post? What does the Bible say regarding my uncle's opinion? What does the Bible say regarding my upbringing and what I considered to be normal? Even in your upbringing, Have a look at what the Bible says. Let that be your filter. Just recently, I was speaking to a young man, and and this question was posed to him. How do you feel about sex before marriage? And his answer to me was very interesting. 
He said to me, since I've been coming to church, I believe that it's wrong. I understand that it's something that you need to save for the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. He said that it's something special that you should only share with them. And, and he said to me that, you know, it can mess things up pretty bad in your life if, if you don't respect it. And, uh, and I asked him about his answer because I was intrigued. And I said to him, you mean to tell me that you viewed it differently before coming to church? I found that to be strange. And he said, yes. Before he heard that this is how God felt about that topic, to him it was quite normal for that to happen outside of marriage. Because that was, that's what he grew up with. That's what happened in his family and, and his cousins and his friends. That's what they did. And I was, I was like, wow, the Word of God changed the way that this young man viewed something so important that I just took for granted that everybody understood that. So that's the power of the Word. It can take what someone grew up with, thinking this is normal, and say, no, this is not normal. This is the way that it should be, the power of God's Word. And if the Bible is first in your life, it will give you three things. Number one, it will give you direction. Psalm 119 verses 5 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. If we decide that God's word is our ultimate authority and we put it first, it will give us direction. The second thing that God's word will do if we put it first is it will give us protection. How many of you agree we need protection, man? His word says in Psalm 119 verses 11, I have hidden your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why do you think he would have had to hide it? Because he doesn't want the enemy to come and get it. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Just listen to why he hid the word. Because he didn't want to sin against God. And he knew that if he treasured his word, it would help him. It would protect him against the very thing that could destroy him. And the third thing that it will do is it will bring correction. How many of you know that we need correction in our lives? At times, if we're not careful, we could go, of course. But the Word of God guides us, and it's never wrong. I remind you of 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, and what? For correcting and training in righteousness. The other thing that will happen if we make God's Word our final authority is that God's Word will be our foundation. And if His Word is our foundation, let me tell you what the Bible says. It says, you will flourish in life. Listen to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I want to pause there for a moment. I don't know if you caught this. But there is a, there is a progressive regression that happens over here. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Did you see that? It's like a slow fade. First, the man is walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Then he's standing in the path of sinners, and then he is sitting in the seat of the scornful. But what's interesting to me is what was the cause of the slow fade? Listen, it was the counsel of the ungodly. Who was this man listening to? Who was he spending his time with? What was he reading? What was he listening to? What was he clicking on? When you're careful to note 
where your counsel come from, so the Bible, comes from, the Bible carries on to say, but if his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, if he meditates on that day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Irrespective of the season, your branches are not going to hang. They're not going to fall off. They're not going to fade. But you will remain fruitful. Fruitful. Even when a pandemic sweeps across the face of the earth, the Bible says you will remain fruitful. With God's word as your foundation, not only will you flourish in life, but you will be able to fight the good fight. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Family of God, let me tell you something. The Bible is full of prophecies about you. And he says, so that by recalling them, talking to Timothy, saying the prophecies made about you, when you recall them, you might fight the battle well. God's saying to you, when you recall the words that he's spoken over your life, he's saying you will be able to fight the battle well. Jude says this in Jude 1 verses 3, and I'm closing here. He said, Beloved, while I'm making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, in other words, Jude was inspired to write about the common salvation. He says, I was compelled to write to you urgently. I'm reading from the Amplified. Appealing that you fight strenuously, that you contend, that you wrestle for the faith, is what Jude said. What is this fighting for faith or fighting the good fight? fight of faith about. Let me just point out two things to you. Number one, I believe that the fight, this good fight that Paul speaks about and that Jude urges people to wrestle to keep the faith. I believe the fight is to remain fully persuaded that God, that what God says is final authority. I believe there is a fight to do that in life. And secondly, I believe that there is a fight to keep the word in our lives. That's what I think was being spoken about there. Family of God, don't lose your grip on God's word. Some may have, but not us. Amen. There is nothing above God's word. There is nothing beyond it. My church is built on the word of God. Our lives are built on the word of God. It is our final authority. And until the day that we die and on into eternity and beyond, God's word will remain our anchor forever. Praise God. Amen. Let me close with this final scripture talking about the Word of God. Psalm 107, verses 20. God sent His Word to heal them and to deliver them from their destructions. This living Word that I've spoken to you about tonight, God said that the purpose for His Word being sent was to heal you and it was to deliver you from your own destructions. It was to deliver me from my own destructions. In the Word of God, there is freedom and there is life in eternity in the Word of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you so much for your Word. Just in keeping with what we've read right now in Psalm 107 verses 20, God says that His Word, this is Jesus Christ, he was sent to heal you and to deliver you from your destruction. You see, family of God, every one of us is headed for destruction.
God said that if you wanted to live with Him, He expects you to be perfect. None of us are perfect. But He sent His Word. He sent Jesus to deliver us from our destruction. And so tonight, I'd like to offer you the opportunity of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you too are delivered from your destructions. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd love to pray with you tonight. If you're here and you don't know if you were to die that you would go to heaven for sure, I'd love to pray with you. If you're here tonight and you know that there was a time that you were secure in your salvation, but you're not so sure anymore, I'd love to pray with you. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, at the count of three, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, if you want to receive, thank you for those hands. Praise God. Thank you for those hands. In the venues as well, even those of you at home, tonight is your night. Tonight is the night that Jesus is saying, here I am. You, you receive me, you receive eternal life. If there's anybody else, please raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to ask every one of you to repeat this prayer after me right now. And I want you to mean it for those of you at home as well. Listen to the words that you're saying. Say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your word, for sending Jesus to deliver me from my destruction. He died so that I don't have to. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you that you have forgiven me of all of my sin. Right now, I am a child of God. Praise the Lord. Well, come on, Christian Family Church. Let's give every one of those that made that wonderful decision tonight a great round of applause. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Oh,